bullsvip.com. Hi there, everybody. I'm J.D. Hoovener, and welcome to the Bold Patent Show. I'm your host and my trusty co-host, Matt Colseth, is here. Matt, how are you today? Doing, uh, doing great. Assistant to the host. Assistant to those. Okay, very nice. I like that title. Um, you know, today, today, I, I decided it's March first. Happy March! Happy Spring March. is on the horizon, my friend, and you could probably barely believe it. With you know, it looks like about a foot or two out there behind oh, you. It's, no, it's nuts out there. It's great. Okay, now nineteen days away. We're counting down. Um, so I did blast this out to my personal Facebook. I don't usually do that, so I'm hoping to get just an enormous, you know, swarm of live attendees just here. Everyone showing up today. Exactly. So we're currently at zero. Uh, for those that do join live, um, you know, I'm going to be prioritizing any live questions. So um, I'll mention that again when we actually have someone on. Uh, but uh, for those that are catching us after the fact and you want to watch us live and you want to ask a question, you can find us here every single Wednesday, 1.30 Pacific and 4.30 on your Eastern Coast for those East Coasters. Um, and um, yeah, so we're here to talk about intellectual property. We'll talk trademarks, patents, trade secrets, and copyrights, the whole whole slew of it. Um, and any question that you want to bring up is fair game, um, as long as it's, of course, professional appropriate. Um, and uh, I want to, uh, very soon, I'll be introducing our guest today. Uh, you probably saw that on the, on the flyer. We've got Brandon Nicholas backstage. He's prepared. We spoke to him for just a little bit. And he's actually our firm's advisor at the Small Business Development Center. So I'll be sharing some of that, talking about what the Small Business uh, Association uh, and how they're uh, affiliated nationwide. And he's uh, in Washington state, but of course SBDC is uh, available in a lot of different states, if not every state. So we'll talk about that too. And then we'll do a bold bite. So if you're interested, um, stay tuned for that. We'll be critiquing uh, a invention about a mug. Okay, so. Matt, are you ready to bring on our guest? Let's 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 do it. Let's do it. Okay, here he is, Brandon. Welcome to the Bold Patent Show. Hey, how you guys doing? Doing good here. Good, good. Thank you for Absolutely. having me. You're welcome. I'm, I've been wanting to bring you on, and thank you for coming on to talk with our audience. Uh, we've got um, we've got an entrepreneur audience, right? Inventors, entrepreneurs, startups, and right. I think one of the number one questions is how do I raise money? How do I get advice on starting my company? Um, and the SBDC, Small Business Development Center, yep. uh, is is where you currently advise. Is that right? Yep. Okay. I would love if you would just explain in your words. I'm going to beat it up really bad if I try. Why don't you walk <laughs> everyone through what is the SBDC? How how do you get contacted by people? And what, what does it take to get an advisor? Yeah, so the Small Business Development Center, um, it's a nationwide program uh, like you were, you were touching on. We've got um, almost or about a thousand locations nationwide. So there's, there's a very solid coverage area. If you're looking to talk with somebody, let me take a step back. I kind of frame it as if you are considering to start a business, you're just starting a business or you've been established for years, and you're running into some sort of problem solving or obstacles that um, you need help with figuring out, you can come to us and we can figure out ways of helping you. And one of the, one of the more common ways that we help people, whether they're startups or established businesses is um, we help them work on their business plans 
and work on their financials for, you know, doing like a couple year projections out. So then what they can do is um, with their startup or they're looking to expand and they need to purchase new equipment or, or whatever it might be, uh, bring in additional employees, anything across the board. So they get all their ducks in a row. They understand everything that they have going on. And so then they can take that information and then go and share it with the lender to help increase their chances. They can have a better conversation with the lender so they can actually get the loan uh, that they're that they're needing to get. Um, and all of this is free of charge. We do it. We do it free of charge. It's a federally funded program. Um, Hold on, I just got to emphasize. Did you just say free? Yes. Yes. Free advice. Yeah. I just want to triple underscore that. I mean, that's huge. So, I mean, are you being bombarded by applicants looking for advice? See, that's that's the tricky thing. Is at least in my personal experience. Granted, um, I'm I'm personally working on building my network and my relationships in our community to increase the awareness of my availability. Um, in other other areas, probably more. I live, you know, I'm in a rural area, but in more dense population areas, it's you know, they're the from what I gather, it's considerably busier. Uh, but sometimes, um, you know, some ways we're a really well-kept secret, but, you know, we really don't want to be a well-kept secret. So, well, We got you on air today. We got three live attendees. Just want to do a quick break in here. For those that are joining now, um, please feel free to ask questions throughout this program. We will time out and take your question. We want to make sure we prioritize your, um, your anything you've got on your mind because you're, you're here live with us. Um, and so, yeah, we've got Brandon Nicholas from the SBDC uh, explaining what the whole process is, how do you get started, who is a good fit. Um, so thank you for sharing that kind of high level. Yeah. You know, if you could, um, is there any type of limitations in, with respect to size of company? Or can it really be a founder themselves? Well, uh, you know, it's, it, it's, uh, we help small businesses that that's our focus is small businesses. And I've, I've heard a few different definitions for small businesses, like, you know, 500 or fewer employees, um, and, you know, businesses that are doing multi-million dollars a year still fall in the small business category. So almost the vast majority of businesses or people that are looking to start a business, you you fall in our, into our wheelhouse where we could potentially help you. You know, it's not just helping people um, get ready to apply for loans. You know, we can, we can have a discussion with you regarding your marketing, uh, figuring out your uh, demographics, understanding who your clients are, um, helping you select, retain new hires, succession planning. There, there's a whole bunch of things that we can help you out with. Um, and if it comes into an area where it's not our area of expertise, we generally, we like to get you connected with a list of potential people, whether that might be, maybe you're needing con- needed to talk with a CPA, a bookkeeper, maybe attorneys for, for something related. You know, if you've got an idea that you're looking to protect, you know, maybe uh, patent attorneys, you know, that's, we can send you off to them and then come back to us and we can work on the other uh, bigger picture business related stuff. And so oftentimes it's a collaboration. Okay. And I think you, you touched on this earlier, but I think, like I said, one of the most urgent burning questions I get a lot is this one. How do you help small businesses prepare for funding? Maybe you could kind of walk us through that in a bit more granularity. They come to you, they're looking for, you know, a certain amount of money, what kind of advising do you, how do you start? How do you begin that conversation before they apply for money? 
Yeah. So um, I like to spend, uh, personally, I like to spend a lot of time asking questions as to what they're looking to do, why they're wanting to do it. Um, to Sometimes there's that question of, is like the whys, why are you looking to do this? Is this really something that you want to do and you want to put in that work that's going to take a long time to get up off the ground? Or is there something else that's motivating you that, that's actually not really aligning with uh, what's best for you? So kind of weaving that in the conversation, understanding the bigger picture of the business and what it is to them personally, that that's part of the conversation. Um, another part is uh, oftentimes I, I have access to data for most industries, kind of what the averages are uh, nationally and on a regional level. So we can take that information. I can share with them, you know, this is what a business in this industry does on average on an annual basis, you know, how big it is, other common challenges that they have. So a large aggregate of data that we can talk about what kind of, what that industry looks like for them to help them understand, uh, what challenges, what are, what are the, what are the pros and cons, uh, for them? in that business. And then along with that, we're going into, we're seeing if looking at their projections, understanding how much money that they think they're going to come, you know, bring in, you know, what's their revenue going to look like? How do they get to those numbers? Help them kind of prom, you know, assess, assess those. And also, um, that's huge, by the way. I'm sorry to interrupt. I have to say, I mean, yeah. part of going through my MBA program, I and mean, that was classic. You know, you 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 got that hockey stick, right? Of oh, we're going to grow like nuts, right? Here's the five-year yeah. projected pro forma. But what you're saying, I, and I didn't know this, you've got this secret, call it secret, treasure trove of data to sort of, in a way, validate or maybe help substantiate that, you know, yes. projection. So yeah. that when a bank looks at it, it's not just you know a founder, you know, on a wish. It's actually based on what's real possible. So do, yeah. you, do you do that? Do you help provide that evidence well, yes. or ba- data backup? Right. And it, it's great for the conversations because sometimes you've got somebody where they're like, yeah, we're, we're going to be making, you know, we're up here. This is, these are our profit margins. Um, <clears throat> and then we can pull this national, national and regional data and compare that. And if they're kind of roughly in line, you're going, okay, we're probably on the same page. Um, but if they're blowing it out of the water compared to what, what the general averages are, or they're really low, then we go, okay, what's, what's going on here? Do you really, is there some new secret that you have that nobody's, do you've got some edge that actually makes it a legitimate that your profits are going to be so much higher or are we missing something and we need to reassess actually what's, what's realistic for what you want to do. So along with that is looking at your expenses uh, exactly. Like you said, a pro forma, pro forma, um, getting out those projections and seeing, going out and doing the research, helping people find those unknown unknowns that they may have not realized they needed to ask and go find out and gather that information to help make them, uh, give them a better informed decision and be better prepared to talk with lenders. Got it. Um, yeah, sorry. What was that? I was just, I was just going to ask you, Brandon, I mean, that just the wealth of information and this is really cool to have you on. So thanks for the time. Um, it, it sounds like you, you work with a variety of different folks, right? On the yeah. small business side, 
who who wouldn't you be able to work with? Are there groups or or you know uh, like franchisees, for example, or nonprofits or Tell us a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's that's think? actually that's a good point. Good question. Um, we can't uh, work with nonprofits. Um, it has to be for-profit organizations. Um, uh, one thing I will say is we'll work with with pretty much any anybody. But part of my approach is anybody that's willing to put in the work. This is something like we're not. You know, we can help you in some ways. We can advise you in many ways but you're really going to have to be putting in the work yourself to do whatever it needs to get your business off the ground or, um, or get that expansion for that, for that loan. We're, we're, if, if we were doing that work for you, that would be doing a disservice to them in that they would less understand what they need. Um, And if, if we miss something in regard to what you're needing, then it, then it becomes on us and we don't want that. We just want, we're here to help support you make uh, the best decision possible uh, with the best amount of information possible for you moving forward. So yeah, off the top of my head, I'd say the biggest thing is we can't work with nonprofits. And as long as you recognize you're willing to put in the work um, and it's some sort of business adventure, business venture come on board and, <laughs> and an adventure to too right yeah it's an and, and an adventure yeah. and at the same time if if um we like if i'm not able to help you like we have a conversation and we figure out like maybe i'm not a good fit i try to connect them with some resource whatever that might be that would be a that would be a good fit for them so they've got something to go to some sort of resource, uh, some other advisor that could possibly help them with uh, where they're looking to go. Cool. Right, right. I want to take a live question here from Celeste uh, Mohan. Uh, hey, Celeste, she's a frequent viewer. Good to see you. Uh, she says, hi, from Johannesburg, South Africa. Do you have any sources of finance for pre-startup, as it were, inventors who are still on the road to licensing? They may have a provisional application pending, but funding is always stressful. Um, you know, a lot of good ideas are, you know, are great, but people just give up. This is not a new, of course, uh, risks are high. She's just saying, Hey, so any, any pre-startup uh, advice there? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good question. I can't fully answer that question. I'm sorry. Cause most of, um, our focus is on, uh, funding programs within the United States. Our, as far as I know, our, our funding programs are, are very limited. But for example, this would be a good situation if she came into our office. It's for me, it's a, I don't know, but let me see what, what I can find out for you and possibly connect you to some potential resources. Absolutely. And before I forget, I do have one more question. Is it okay, Brandon, if I give out your email address to the community here yeah. for them to reach out to yeah. you directly? Okay. My work email address, yes, not my personal. <laughs> Right, absolutely, and, and your personal another, self. Just that's another question, Brandon. Is are you working like with folk, uh, like people in your community, or are you kind of an advisor nationally too? How does that work? It's pretty much the the way the program is designed. It's pretty much I work with people um, in two counties in Central Washington. There are in Washington State. We've got a really great network, and that we're we're pretty well connected in Washington State. We've got. I, I want to say we've got roughly 40 advisors and cool. we are, you know, everybody comes from these different backgrounds with different strengths. We've got CFOs, 
former CEOs, you know, um, yes, uh, business owners uh, all across the board. So if there's something that we're not sure uh, we can help, we can leverage those people, bring them into the advising sessions, or sometimes they might actually uh, take on take on that client because it's a better fit for them. But that that's hey, how Brad. Washington works. I can't. Um, I'm not sure how on point that is for other states. Sure. A couple of quick questions here. We'll have to let you go. We don't go to our next segment. Um, I do see behind you, much to my chagrin, it's not a Huskies, but it's Washington State University Cougars. Yep. Can you tell us very briefly, that why is there affiliation between the university and SBDC? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, the way that, so this is a federally funded program. Um, uh, half of my salary is, is paid through federal funding. Um, but for each state, there needs to be, um, an educational institution that takes on the responsibility of, of overseeing the SBD, uh, kind of the infrastructure. So we're kind of, uh, in Washington state, WSU is the one that has, has taken us on to kind of couch our program into, into their organization. So it's, we're, we, we're kind of our own entity, but we're also part of WSU. So each state is like that, but then we also have um, local stakeholders, uh, ADOs that will pay for the other half of the salary. And so for here, me in Washington, here, here me in Grant County, it's it's the Grant EDC. Got it. Okay, so if I'm in the if I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, could I just plug in Arizona SBDC, and I'll probably probably find the link. Good question. So I would recommend going to americasbdc.org. Um, okay. And right on it. What I if I type it into the oh that that's a private chat that one. Here we go. I can plug it in right here. Okay. Yep. I'll put it into the chat. How does that look? Americas SBDC. Hope I got that right. Does that look good? Yeah, I think that looks right. I mean, if even if there is a typo on there, you do a Google search for it. It should be probably up at the top of the list. And on the front page, there's there's a, a button to help you find your your place. If you scroll down a little bit, you can put in your zip code uh, to find your your closest advisor. Very good, very good. Well, Brandon, we're going to keep you on as so we go to our next segment for our Shark Tank yep. Bold Bite and Critique. Um, Thank you so much for being on. Time flies by. We're going to have to have you back on with another topic in the future. It's been great having you. Yeah, my pleasure. Been loving it. All right. And as a little foreshadowing to our next event, does anybody, do you guys have any coffee mugs nearby? Can we do a little cheers? I do not have a coffee mug. Let's have a sip here as we enjoy our next bold bite. I'll transfer over here. Sound check, sound check. Sounds good. Okay, we're gonna present, share screen. Hopefully we'll avoid some advertising this time. <laughs> Sometimes YouTube will get you. All right, here it is, the floating mug. Audio. Hello, Sharks. My name is Tiggs. I live in Mooresville, North Carolina. I'm the founder of the Floating Mug Company. I'm seeking $75,000 in exchange for 15% ownership in my business. This, quite simply, is the sexiest mug you'll ever lay your eyes on. Of course, Kevin, your mug is a close second. I'm not a professional designer, 
but I had a screeching problem and I needed a solution. You see, my wife makes a very particular sound and if you let me, I'm gonna try and reproduce that sound for you. It goes something like this. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, but you're wrong. That's not a mating call. That's the sound my wife makes every time she discovers a coffee stain on our furniture. When I'm distracted, I don't have the mental capacity to search for a coaster just to put my cup down. So the inevitable happens. The coffee stain magically appears under my cup. And within minutes, <laughs> I knew at that moment I was a dead man walking. But there's good news. I no longer have to listen to that deathly sound. The floating mug is the ultimate marriage between a mug and a coastline. Together, it's the perfect, elegant solution. I brought some samples for you guys. I've got these in special color. 1999. My option is when I go to a store, I can buy a porcelain mug of relatively similar quality from somewhere between six and nine bucks. Now, I can also get a coaster for about 80 cents. So would the average consumer pay 100% premium for the floating mug? And I don't know the answer to that. And certainly you haven't proven it in the market yet. So my, my response to that, Kevin, um, you can say that for anything. At what point does a $10 pair of sunglasses become a $200 pair of sunglasses? When it's really, really special. Is this special enough? This is just a product. What I want you to focus on is the concept. This is our proof of concept for beverage products that have integrated coaster functionality. Like? Well, I would like to show you a prototype I'm working on. So just to give you an idea, that's a drinking glass. What's the benefit? It's a built-in coaster. So as it sweats, everything gets caught in that reservoir, and it's got a wall, so as you drink, it's not going to spill on you. Do you have a patent on it? On the glass, it's pending. On this, it's, it's issued. When markets close at 4 o'clock in New York, I always have vodka and lemonade with lots of ice in a tall glass. The problem with it is it sweats like crazy because it has a lot of ice, causes condensation on my right. desk. Right. Now, that's a problem. I would be willing to pay a premium to solve that problem, knowing I have to face it with certainty every day. Kevin, while this might be a niche product, this gives me credibility, shows you that I can deliver a world-class product. Take the downside is you're always going to be competing with a standard mug and a, and a 50, 80 cent coaster. All right, guys. So initial feedback going to you, Matt. What happens when you spill into the coaster and then you pick it up and drip it all over yourself? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I, it's it's a really, I mean, it seems like a really niche problem with a really niche solution, which is great. I mean, I love that, you know, kind of riches in the niches. We talk a lot about that. We have a lot of inventors who certainly make money on these niche products. Um, the the name is terrible. Terrible. <laughs> it's because it's too descriptive. Is that right? The floating mug company. You cannot get a more descriptive trademark than that. And as some of our viewers will know, can't register protect descriptive trademarks. So um, there's no applications at the USPTO. There's no acronym application at the USPTO. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't uh, able to get registered. Even if he did apply, wasn't able to get registered likely because of that. It's like starting the water bottle company. It's yeah. likely not going to happen. I do want to make a comment on the patent side. Kudos to him for going through and getting the design patent file. Um, again, a design patent, I want to really clear, protects the ornamentation, right? Only one specific design for the way that it looks. I did pull it up, so I'll share a screen here. 
I want to have you look at this patent. This was issued in 2014, so he's been at this for a while. I know this is a little bit small, but design patent was issued in 2014. It's good for 14 years. Uh, the claim is one sentence, of course, just the ornamental design for this mug. So it does appear he got this issued, good, good for him, but it's just one specific design. So could it take on a different shape? Um, yes, a competitor could do that and avoid infringement because it does not follow the substantial similar shape. Um, we did mention he has a utility patent on the other product, good for him, um, but there's, you know, there's major limitations with the design patent only. And when you're trying to solve a problem, it's by nature, it's functional. And so it would have been better had he got, been able to get a utility patent on that to recover the functionality of it, preventing a drip. Um, to, and also uh, to cover more designs than just the one. Uh, but he did mention he sold 100,000 in his first year. Um, and uh, I, we, I did look at the Shark Tank follow-up. Uh, so unfortunately, if we were to watch the whole video, no one, no shark ended up investing um, and, and the company did end up folding a few years later. Um, but a quick note though, patents don't die just because the company dies he can still enforce his patents against any infringers. Um, and I did a, another quick look on, on Amazon and I did see there are a number of companies selling floating mugs. Um, so for example, like if this if this cup is, is indeed his or is not his, you know, he could potentially go after them for an infringement um, case as well. So it, it, in all likelihood probably is his product, um, but it's uh, one of those things you can still enforce it, still monetize uh, the inventions, even if the business itself goes under. Brandon, do you have any thoughts, comments on that pitch? I mean, I, I'm thinking, um, I think Kevin had some good points there. Uh, like what's running through my head is, do you have a target market? Have you figured out your target market? Um, like the riches and the niches. It, do you know the avenue of how to reach those people? What's your What's your cost for your product? What's your profit margins? What's the volume that you have to produce for it to be worthwhile? There, I mean, there's so many questions there, and I think he may there there may have been a possibility where if it was packaged or presented slightly differently, maybe there's some way to get creative and and package it as a premium product. Um, I don't know how how possible that would be, but that's where I think for this to be uh, seen, what we've just kind of seen here to make it be a, a feasible business model. Um, I'm thinking one avenue is possibly, you know, packaged as a premium product. I think of, you think of like, you can buy a pair of Nikes or you can buy a pair of shoes at Payless Shoe Source. The Nikes might be better quality, arguably, it depends. Um, but they still, they're still performing the same function. Um, so, you know, Nike, Nike really focuses on how they market and they present their, themselves. Uh, the same thing like with Apple products. You know, you can you can get another smartphone there. There's there's an interface that people like with with Apple phones um, and they've, they've got a strong following. But you're also you're paying a premium for for an Apple phone where you can get something else that's going to be functionally very similar. Yep. Yep. My mind went toward um, trying to trying to find a way to, to as you said, um, if I send something to hang on to, to where you're going to remember it or have, have a brand play. I mean, think of like maybe a high end coffee place, you know, and that yeah. they have, and they only serve mugs that look like that. Right. So have maybe like an exclusive license to one of those companies, if they were to latch onto that, um, I'd want to slide the cookie underneath, you know, <laughs> you got like the coffee and a cookie. I don't know. Ooh, I, There's I like different that. ways to do it. Right. 
Anyway, and I just thought of that. the coffee spills on, the, on it, it absorbs the coffee. Oh, yeah. What, wouldn't that taste even better? Um, love it. We did have one question come in from over the week. I want to make sure I get to that. I think we have a minute or two. Um, this is a trademark question, so I'm off the hook. This individual wants to protect the slogan, corn or flour? <laughs> Would that have any chance of getting approved at the trademark office? Uh, they're debating filing an application, but they're unsure if the generic ingredients can be registered. Um, what do you think? Any shot? If it's food? a computer, you can call it flour or corn. <laughs> you know, like like apple, right? Um, All right. But you can't you can't use a descriptor for an ingredient in a product or recipe or, or whatever from a trademark perspective. Um, okay. You know. So, no. <laughs> no. Not even in the question form, you know, it obviously, yeah, yeah, no. Yeah. Okay. No. Very well. Very well. It's good to get a clear answer, even if it's not the answer that you want. So yeah. thank you for sharing that. Uh, a rare, well, I would say rare for, for all attorneys, right? We usually say it depends. It depends. But this one, just, <laughs> this no, is just no. Hard no. <clears throat> very, very cool. Uh, we covered a lot today, you guys, uh, in a quick half hour. So thank you to the audience out there. So we have uh, six live folks. If you have not already, please uh, subscribe, like, share this channel uh, across your distribution. We're here every week talking intellectual property, patents, trademarks, copyrights. And we, uh, we usually have a guest on uh, like we had today. So thank you. Special thanks to Brandon Nicholas from the SPDC. My pleasure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So for Matt and myself, uh, for Bold Patents, wish you guys a great week. And we'll catch you next one next week. Go big. Go bold. bold at boldip.com.